bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need the legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, June 7, 2011. Last week was quite a busy one making for some particularly substantive discussion points this week. I'll start this week's podcast with an update on tax reform proposals in Washington, D.C. Then, in our New Market Tax Credit discussion, I'll review the newly released Notice of Allocation Availability, or NOAA, for the ninth New Market Tax Credit Allocation Application Round. I'll also discuss the proposed regulations released on Friday that the IRS says would facilitate more non-real estate investments in distressed areas under the New Market Tax Credit Program. And we have our New Market Tax Credit Conference and Workshop in D.C. this week, and there's still time to register, so I do invite you to join us. Turning to our low-income housing tax credit segment, I'll examine the 2011 income limits. They were released last week by HUD. Novograd and Company has compiled an initial analysis of the changes from 2010 to 2011, and we've also released a beta version of the Rent and Income Limit Calculator. We have a webinar on this this Friday. I also have several other affordable housing updates, including the introduction of legislation to allow service members to exclude their basic allowance for housing from their income when they apply for low-income housing tax credit housing. Also, an announcement of a new green refinance program from Fannie Mae and the Federal Housing Administration, as well as an announcement about a study that's scheduled for release tomorrow that assesses the track record of the low-income housing tax credit program. Then, in historic tax credit news, I'm going to share more of the findings of the second annual study on the economic impact of the Federal Historic Tax Credit, a study that was published last week by the Historic Tax Credit Coalition. Then, in our Renewable Energy Tax Credit discussion, I'll share some of the highlights of testimony that was presented last week in Congress, testimony presented by representatives of the renewable energy industry. So if you're ready, let's get started. In general tax credit news, Last week, Ways and Means Chairman Dave Camp held a hearing on how comprehensive tax reform might promote job creation and economic growth. While earlier committee hearings on the business aspects of tax reform focused on international taxation, last week's hearing addressed the taxation of domestic business operations. In announcing this hearing, Chairman Camp had previously noted that, and I quote, the tax code is full of tax preferences that attempt to pick winners and losers, rather than just allowing the most promising business investments to flourish. Close quote. Participants at the hearing discussed how pass-through entities are taxed, as well as other issues related to comprehensive tax reform. In his opening statement, Chairman Camp stressed the importance of making tax reform a revenue-neutral matter. Now, witnesses also discussed trade-offs between marginal tax rates and targeted business tax preferences, and that's where most of the news was made. James Rust, vice president of tax at Boeing, said businesses are willing, yes, they're willing, to give up some tax breaks in exchange for a significant drop in the corporate tax rate. He said, and I quote, We could support eliminating tax expenditures in order to obtain a meaningful lower 
corporate tax rate, close quote. Now, he did not specify which benefits he would support being eliminated, thus reinforcing the general notion that the devil certainly lies in the details. Now, in related tax reform news, multiple reports continue to indicate that the administration, the Obama administration that is, plans to release a corporate tax reform proposal in late summer or early fall. Now, BNA, one such source, is reporting that the administration is still looking at a variety of options for tax reform, including a possible move to an international territorial system. However, no decisions have been made, and there are no set plans for unveiling a specific proposal on a specific date. Now, BNA quotes a Treasury international tax official as saying that a shift to a territorial system of international taxation could raise revenue, revenue that could help pay for corporate tax reform. The tax official did go on to note, however, that while you could create a system that would raise revenue, you could also create a territorial system of international taxation that would lose revenue. However, such a change would be inconsistent with the goal, the overarching goal, of broadening the tax base and lowering tax rates. And then on tax reform in the House of Representatives late last month, House Republicans unveiled a proposal to promote economic growth, economic growth that's built around lowering tax rates, deregulating industry, and boosting trade. Now, looking at taxes, the GOP says its proposal would spur investment and create more jobs by streamlining the tax code. The proposal goes on to say, and I quote, Congress should eliminate the special interest tax breaks that litter the code and reduce the overall tax rate to no more than 25% for businesses and individuals, including small business owners. This would make the tax code flatter, fairer, and simpler. Close quote. Now, at the time of this recording, no details were available regarding which so-called special interest tax breaks would be eliminated under the plan, and we're not expecting any such a list to be revealed. The takeaway, however is simply that House Republicans are targeting a top corporate and individual tax rate of 25%, which means in the negotiations with President Obama and the Senate, that's probably the floor. Further, the House wants tax reform to be revenue neutral, which means a vast majority of tax breaks need to be eliminated. In closing, I'd like to turn to a recent release from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. Last week, the OCC announced the availability of the 2011 list of distressed or underserved non-metropolitan middle-income geographies. These are areas where revitalization or stabilization activities will receive consideration as community development under the Community Reinvestment Act, CRA. So that's why you might care. Now, distressed non-metropolitan middle-income geographies and underserved non-metropolitan middle-income geographies are designated annually in accordance with CRA regulations. Now, these designations, as you would suspect, reflect local economic conditions, including triggers like unemployment, poverty, and population changes. And, similar to past releases, this 2011 list does have a, does have a one-year lag period for geographies that were designated as distressed or undisturbed in 2010, but aren't so designated in 2011. Specifically, geographies subject to this one-year lag period can receive consideration for community development activities for 12 months after the publication of the 2011 list. You can find the list online at www.occ.gov. 
In New Market Tax Credit news, last week, as most listeners know, the CDFI fund released the Notice of Allocation Availability, or NOAA, for the 2011 round of competition for $3.5 billion in tax credit issuance authority under the New Market Tax Credit Program. The CDFI fund also released a copy of the 2011 New Market Tax Credit application and an application Q&A. Allocation applicants that are not yet certified as CDEs must submit an application for certification as a CDE on or before June 22, 2011. This is the deadline to be eligible for new market tax allocation in the ninth round. This June 22 date is the first critical date in this application round. Applications themselves for the 2011 round are due by July 27, 2011. Copies of this and related information can be found online at www.newmarketscredits.com. In addition to the information available through the NOAA and the NMTC application, the CDFI Fund did announce that it has recorded an application workshop that will be available for viewing on June 13th. The CDFI Fund will also conduct two one-hour conference calls on June 15th and June 21st to answer applicant questions. Furthermore, Nova Gradigan Company is also offering a pre-conference new market application workshop tomorrow, June 8th. The workshop precedes the New Market Task Credit Spring Conference, which is being held in Washington, D.C., June 9th and 10th. Now, if you aren't able to join us in Washington, D.C. this week for either the conference or the pre-conference application workshop, Nova Gradigan Company will present a New Market Task Credit application webinar on June 15th. You can sign up for the webinar online at www.novaco.com events. If you're interested in learning more about Novograd & Company's New Market Tax Credit services, such as CDE certification application and New Market Tax Credit allocation application preparation, I encourage you to call my partner, Owen Gray, at 415-356-8000, or you can contact Brad Elphick in our Atlanta office. Given the June 22nd deadline, I encourage you to contact Owen or Brad quickly. Turning to the IRS, on Friday, the Internal Revenue Service released proposed regulations that would modify the new market tax credit to facilitate and encourage investments in non-real estate businesses in low-income communities. The proposed regulations, more specifically, would allow a CDE that makes a qualified low-income community investment involving a non-real estate business to invest certain returns of capital from those investments in an unrelated certified CDFI at various points during the seven-year credit period. The CDE's reinvestment of return capital into certified CDFIs would be considered to meet the reinvestment requirements of the New Market Tax Credit Program. The proposed regulations would allow an increasing aggregate amount to be invested in certified CDFIs and treated as continuously invested in a qualified low-income community investment in the latter years of the seven-year credit period. The IRS is going to accept public comments on the proposed rules, as well as other potential changes designed to promote greater investment in non-real estate operating businesses. The deadline for the comments is September 8, 2011, and there will be a public hearing on September 29, 2011. The New Market Tax Credit Working Group is reviewing the newly released guidance and will be submitting comments to the IRS and Treasury regarding this request for comments. For more information about the working group, please contact my partner, Brad Elphick. Furthermore, if you want to meet Brad 
or Owen in person, and or you want to discuss all the breaking new market tax credit news, I once again encourage you to join us and over 400 tax credit professionals this week at Novograd & Company's New Market Tax Credit Spring Conference. The conference is taking place on June 9th and 10th in Washington, D.C., and we have representatives from the CDFI Fund and the IRS scheduled to join us. So the attendees will hear the latest news straight from the source. And as I said, it's not too late. We do allow on-site registrations as well. I hope to see you there. Now, I'd also like to clarify something you may have heard about from other sources last week. More specifically, on May 27th, the Internal Revenue Service published a notice inviting comments concerning an existing final new market tax credit regulation. I want you to know that these regulations were rules that finalized rules under the new market tax credit program under Section 45D, and there are no changes proposed to the existing regulations at this time. The invitation to comment was issued as part of a protocol required by the Paperwork Reduction Act of 1995, and it requires such notices every three years. If you have any additional questions on this, send an email to cpas at novaco.com. In local housing tax credit news, on May 31st, HUD released the estimated median family incomes and income limits for fiscal year 2011. Median family incomes are used as the basis for the income limits in several HUD programs, including public housing, housing choice voucher, community development block grant, and home programs as well, of course, the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Program. HUD publishes two sets of income limits. One set is specifically used for low-income housing tax credit and bond projects that were in service in 2007 and 2008. Projects in these two categories are referred to by HUD as Multifamily Tax Subsidy Projects, or MTSPs. Fiscal year 2011 income limits are calculated for 535 metropolitan and 2,037 non-metropolitan areas in the U.S. and its territories. One of the most significant changes this year relates to how HUD has updated the methodology for producing the estimated median family incomes and income limits. Median family income estimates and income limits are now based on the five-year American Community Survey data from 2005 through 2009, rather than the 2000 decennial census. This change is expected to connect income limits more closely to current economic conditions. That said, HUD notes in a set of frequently asked questions that, despite the recent recession, some income limits have increased. HUD says that although it uses the most recent data available concerning local area incomes, there is still a lag between when the data are collected and when the data are available for use. For example, as I mentioned earlier, 2011 income limits are calculated using data for the years 2005 to 2009. The effects of the Great Recession on local area incomes are most likely to be detected in 2009, but this represents only 20% of the survey sample. Now, in areas where there's sufficient sample for a one-year update, the 2009 data does generally show a decline in incomes. Novograd and Company has been actively analyzing the income limit data since its release last week. And so far, we've discovered that median family income was fairly flat. In fact, the national median income decreased 
yes, decreased $200 in 2011. More specifically, median family income, that's income for a family of four, decreased from $64,400 in 2010 down $200 to $64,200 in 2011. However, once HUD has adjusted these median family income limits to arrive at their Section 8 very low income limits, or VLI limits, the change in VLI income limits for all counties is actually a 2.1% increase. Now, HUD publishes a separate table called MTSP for tax credit and tax and bond projects. Once HUD has adjusted the MTSP tables to include what we refer to as Harris Special calculations and applies to hold harmless rules for pre-2009 properties, the actual average increase for all counties rises to 3.6%. Now, there are 4,764 counties for which income limits are provided. Taking into account adjustments for the hold harmless and provisions of HERA, about 18%, yes, 18% of the counties are flat or show no change. About one quarter of the counties show a positive change of up to 2%, and more than 58% have an income limit increase of more than 2%. Now, Novograd and Company is continuing to analyze and review the new income limits. And I want to note that Jim Kroger, a partner in our San Francisco office, will present a detailed webinar on the new income limits this Friday, June 10th. I encourage listeners to this podcast to register for that webinar. There will be a very detailed description of how the new income limits will affect tax credit properties throughout the nation, both in terms of increases in qualifying tenant income levels, as well as increases in allowable maximum rents. To learn more about the webinar, and to register, simply go online to www.novoco.com backslash events or send an email to cpas at novoco.com. In the meantime, I invite listeners to test the beta version of the Novogratic Rent and Income Limit Calculator. The Rent and Income Limit Calculator will calculate low-income housing tax credit rent and income limits for every county and for every metropolitan statistical area in the United States. As I mentioned, a beta version is available at www.novoco.com with the compliments of Novogratic and Company. We encourage and welcome your comments on this beta version. Please send questions by email to jim.kroger, that's K-R-O-G-E-R, at novoco.com. A final version of the calculator will be launched after this Friday, after the 2011 Rent and Income Limit webinar, as I mentioned, Friday, June 10th. Furthermore, if you'd like to engage Novograd and Company to calculate the Rent and Income Limits for your property, or to check your calculations, or provide other property-compliant services, please contact Jim Kroger at, as I said before, jim.kroger at novoco.com, or simply call him at 415 415- 356-8000. Now, turning to Congress and legislative matters, on June 2nd, Congressman Bill Owens introduced H.R. 2097-2097. It's entitled the Military Families Affordable Homes Act. The bill would allow service members to exclude their basic allowance for housing from their definition of income when applying for low-income housing tax credit housing. 
At most military bases, military personnel must include both their annual pay and the basic allowance for housing in their income when they apply for long-term housing tax credit housing. A 2008 policy passed by Congress in the Housing and Income Recovery Act allows an exception for personnel stationed at nine select installations. The Military Families Affordable Homes Act would expand that exception. And as listeners may recall from our May 24th podcast, officials at some military bases have indicated that expanding this exception could help address housing shortages near military installations. A copy of the bill has been posted to the Affordable Housing Resource Center at www.taxcredithousing.com. In other affordable housing news, last week HUD announced Green Refinance Plus. It's a finance program that allows owners of existing affordable rental properties to refinance their mortgages and generate proceeds for energy efficiency upgrades and other needed renovations. Under the program, the Federal Housing Administration and Fannie Mae will share the risk on loans that are used to refinance expiring mortgages of projects funded with local housing tax credits as well as other sources of funding. The program would allow property owners to borrow additional funds to make energy-saving improvements. HUD said Fannie Mae and its participating lenders will begin accepting applications for refinancing under the program this month. Novogratz Company is currently researching the program and will cover its provisions and potential in much greater detail in the July issue of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits. Now, before I wrap up this week's affordable housing discussion, I would like to alert listeners that tomorrow, June 8th, the Housing Advisory Group, a nonprofit advocacy group dedicated to the promotion of affordable housing, will release a study on the Long-Term Housing Tax Credit Program. The study is entitled, Low-Income Housing Tax Credit, Assessment of Program Performance and Comparison to Other Federal Rental Housing Subsidies. The report will be formally released tomorrow at the Housing Advisory Group's annual Affordable Housing Congressional Forum in Washington, D.C. To quote Bob Moss, chairman of the Housing Advisory Group, this report demonstrates not only the success of the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Program, but also the strength of the public-private partnership model that is the foundation of the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit. You will be able to find this special report for download online at www.novacode.com. That's tomorrow. Also, I'll tweet a link to my Twitter followers that will take them directly to the report. And if you're not currently following me on Twitter, you can find my tweets online at twitter.com backslash We'll also send out an alert to industry alert email subscribers. Now, I'll close this section on long housing tax credits by noting that the newest edition of the long housing tax credit handbook is now available and has begun shipping. So to order your copy, simply go to www.novaco.com or send an email to cpas at novaco.com. In historic tax credit news, as I announced last week, on June 1st, the Historic Tax Credit Coalition and Rutgers University released their annual study on the economic impact of the Federal Historic Tax Credit. This year's report shows that the Federal Historic Tax Credit continues to outpace other economic activities, such as highway construction, manufacturing, and service sector industries, in its ability to generate jobs, labor income, taxes, and gross domestic product. The second annual report on the economic impact of the Federal Historic Tax Credit 
finds that the historic tax credit has accounted for the creation of 2 million, yes, 2 million new jobs over the life of the program. Of those, 145,000 jobs were generated in the past two years. In addition to discussing the economic impact of the historic tax credit, the study also discusses the need for historic tax credit modernization. Despite the documented success of the historic tax credit program, on a dollar volume basis, it remains much smaller than the low income tax credit and new markets tax credit programs. The study shows that even as an uncapped credit, the National Park Service certified only $688 million in historic tax credits in fiscal year 2010. This compares to the pre-recession $9 billion credit expenditure level for the low-income housing tax credit and the recent round aid allocation of about $1.4 billion in new markets tax credits. The study says there are a variety of reasons for the lower utilization rate of the federal historic tax credit, and it notes that suggestions for removing some of these impediments have been introduced in legislation in Congress, but so far they have not been enacted into law. The study discusses these provisions and reports that the Historic Tax Credit Coalition intends to reintroduce the legislation in the 112th Congress. Historic Tax Credit Coalition Chairman John Lee Tetrell will discuss those plans in the July installment of his monthly History in the Hill column in the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits. Now turning to the Virginia Historic Tax Credit Fund case, a case that we've been tracking for quite a while now, a federal appeals court has denied, yes, they've denied a motion to reconsider the 4th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals decision in the case. Some preservation advocates warn that the ruling threatens to cripple historic tax credit programs in Virginia and other states and could ripple into other state tax credit programs. As many listeners remember, the 4th Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in March that the allocation of the tax credits through partnerships amounted to a sale and should be taxed as income. Preservation officials in Virginia have warned that taxation of the state tax credits will make property rehabilitation projects impossible to finance, or at least many of them. The Associated Press reports that Kathleen Kilpatrick, Executive Director of the Virginia Department of Resources, said the decision was disappointing, but not surprising. According to the Associated Press, Kathleen Kilpatrick said that preservation groups are now going to look to Congress for a solution. In renewable energy tax credit news, at a House Committee on Natural Resources hearing on June 1st, the wind and solar energy industries had an opportunity to publicly state their major tax legislative initiatives for 2011. The wind energy industry emphasized extension of the production tax credit beyond 2012. Roby Roberts with the American Wind Energy Association said, and I quote, The biggest roadblock facing the wind energy industry right now is the lack of a consistent and long-term federal policy to support renewable energy. Despite bipartisan support, tax credits for wind and other forms of renewable energy have been on again, off again. The production tax credit which is the key existing federal tax incentive for wind energy development, expires at the end of 2012. Continuing the quote, we request that Congress extend the production tax credit for wind energy this year. Given lead times for project development, it's important to act now 
to avoid a lull in development post-2012. Business decisions for 2013 are already being made. Close quote. Now, the solar industry opted to push extension of the Section 1603 cash grant program past the end of this year. Ron Resch, with the Solar Energy Industries Association, made five general recommendations, one of which was, and I quote again, extend the 1603 Treasury Program, which allows solar and other renewable energy developers to receive a direct federal grant in lieu of taking the investment tax credit, which is already in place, close quote. I have posted links to the testimony presented by Mr. Roberts and Mr. Resch on my blog at novogradic.wordpress.com. That's novogradic.wordpress.com. I encourage you to read the complete remarks as well as share your thoughts about the testimony in the comments section on my blog. Again, the address is Novogradic, N-O-V-O-G-R-A-D-A-C dot WordPress, W-O-R-D-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. But before I close, I want to continue our section on Quote of the Week. The Quote of the Week comes from Representative Devin Nunez, a Republican on the House Ways and Means Committee. According to BNA, Representative Nunez told reporters that given the tone of hearings and meetings by tax writers over the last few months and making a reference to renewable energy tax credits, said, and I quote, it's universally accepted that most of these credits are going to be gone, close quote. For those of you that work in areas other than renewable energy tax credits, his quote continues, quote, it's going to be tough to extend any tax credit for that matter. So that's your closing quote of the week. Please join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. This is Michael Novogratik. I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.